Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums... Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome to a very special edition of Rossafari Zoo News Live. Not when you're listening to it, because, you know, podcast, asynchronous, that's how that works. But live at the AZA Annual Conference. I am going to be spending the next however many minutes this goes, because I'm recording the intro before I do the rest of the podcast this time, uh, telling you all about the experience at the AZA Annual Conference so far. Um, recording this you know, on the night of Tuesday the 30th. So there is still another full day of conference, plus then what's called Zoo Day, which is going to be a day when we go to the Maryland Zoo, and it's going to be incredible. But I wanted to share with all of you what it is like to be at this incredible conference. And I didn't want you to just have to listen to me ramble on. So I am here with two very special guests, and we're going to be sharing with you about our experiences. You've heard them both on the podcast before, and uh, now I'm going to let them introduce themselves, starting with the one that doesn't have a theme song. Hi there. It's Katie Prop with Penguins International, and I'm super excited to be here today. Yay, Katie Prop! And then who's that other lovely person sitting next to you? Hi, I'm Zoe. I'm your fiance. Oh, yeah. Also a veterinarian who likes zoo stuff. Oh yeah, that one. Okay. And uh, we are all AZA member people, so that's exciting, and that lets us be here at the conference. Um, so let's start off by just kind of explaining uh, how this works. So um, let's start off by talking about, you know, what the purpose of this conference is in general. Katie, go ahead and share about that a little bit. So the AZA conference is a really great place for like-minded folks from the zoological and aquarium communities to connect and talk about how uh, our industries are working together towards several aligned missions and goals. So the AZA oversees all zoos and aquariums, as many of your listeners probably know, but these are the meetings that are crucial for CEOs that have very filled schedules to get together and kind of discuss things. But also there are sessions that are open to the public to come and learn from these experts and amazing folks in the industry. Absolutely. And they use this for a lot of, not all of, but a lot of the SSPs will get together and do their meetings and start to figure out some of their breeding stuff, or at least just talk about what their plan is. And the SAFE programs, which are saving animals from extinction, which is the big conservation arm of the AZA right now. I mean, let's be honest zoos are as well and aquariums obviously but that is their specific um conservation program that they are doing with certain species right now and and there are these great meetings and then there are just all these um speakers that come and talk about many different aspects of the industry and we've all gone to a bunch of different things so we're going to be able to share what some of those panels and presentations are like but then on top of that there is a exhibit hall that is vendors that come and they're all 
like zoo related. It's amazing. And so we'll, we'll talk a bit, a bit about what we've seen there as well. Um, there's also a silent auction and, um, it's really exciting because I bid way too much on red panda stuff today. And, and Zoe got mad at me. So much. $90. $90 for things we already have. And the bid before it was 65. We, we already have all of the things. Not all of them. All, all of them. I like red pandas. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so that happened. Um, but yeah, so let's start off by talking about, um, Katie, when did you get in? When did I fly in? Yeah. I flew in on Saturday, I believe. You know, this, Katie this <laughs> listen, the, the, the jet lag is real. And, uh, you know, it, I've been here. This is the third day that I've been here. So, yes, kind of backtracking a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good to, to be here for a little bit in advance of when everybody arrives, because then you kind of get a little insider knowledge on you know, who's who. And, um, again, it's a lot of those meetings, which I was involved in one of those. So, yeah. And so that was Sunday that you had all that stuff going on. Thank you. Sunday. Yeah, no, yeah. You got in Saturday (laughs) and then Sunday was that. And, um, so tell us about Sunday because we were not here on Sunday. Yeah. Sunday was really great. Uh, there was a whole lot of, um, I would say executive sessions, which means that they are closed to the public. Um, And then some of those sessions, they do start out as executive sessions and then do open up to the public. So it's a lot of those committee meetings we were talking about where, you know, we're coming together talking about the safe program um, or programs rather, and then uh, basically crossing things off of the agenda list. So on, on that first day, it was mostly those meetings. So it was a lot of CEOs and executive folks, um, chairs of these different boards that are getting together to talk about their initiatives and how they're doing and really kind of setting the groundwork for the rest of the week as to like, hey, here's what we're doing. And now here's the breakdown of what else we need to get done within a week. Because as you can imagine, a week is not enough time to do all the things that people probably have in mind. So it's nice to kick it off and get as much done as possible before the crowds show up. Awesome. And what were you involved with? I'm guessing it involved penguins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, I, I was here um, and had the pleasure of joining in the African Penguin Safe Committee. I am involved in their education committee. So um, we were able to talk about some of the goals and initiatives. They have several different um, areas in which they they respond to um, the SAFE program. So everything ranging from like oil spill response to artificial nest installation to um, the education committee um, and uh, how they're doing in zoos and things like that. So it was nice to sit in that uh, group and really hear from each of these chairs of these subcommittees what the updates were. Um, I meet regularly with our group, but it's mostly through Zoom. So it's really cool to see people face to face, especially after a pandemic filled world and uh, hear their interest and what they're working on. So definitely an awesome meeting with a lot of updates. There's a lot of work, though, still to be done. Absolutely. And uh, you come here for more than that. But that is definitely the thing or one of the things that actually brought you to the conference. Um, Zoe, you are not actively involved at a zoo right now, other than we go to lots of them. Um, what, what was your motivation for coming here? 
I am interested in zoo medicine and ultimately want to potentially specialize, probably specialize in zoo medicine. And so I want to keep my foot in the door of zoo things and doing a small animal internship for the last year. I haven't been very involved in anything in the zoo world, so I wanted to get back into it a little bit and just find out what's going on here at AZA. Yep. And for me, it's... um about building the podcast, building awareness, getting new guests, uh, connecting with new facilities. And also, uh, even though I didn't expect this to be a thing, um, there are a lot of sessions about social media stuff. So I'm actually learning not only how to build my brand better on social media, but also hearing from Zoom marketing and PR people, um, which they're the people I deal with a lot and I'm learning about kind of their take on everything. So the coolest thing about this to me is that here we have three people in the room that are all very united in our mission for conservation and doing the thing and loving animals, but we're all here for just a variety of different reasons. And, um, we're all getting a ton of different stuff from it. Uh, you know, Zoe's been connecting with different vets and other people here. Katie is taking pictures of every penguin she sees. And, um, this sound that you're about to hear, that is all of the business cards of people who have actually committed to being on the podcast. Now, whether it happens or not, who knows? That's how these things go. But like, if even just a small percentage of those pan out, this is going to have been amazing. And y'all are going to be hearing from incredible people. Um, so yeah, so that that's a little look at kind of our goals and what Sunday was like for prop. And then that brings us to Monday. Um... And Katie, just so they're, they're you know, probably sick of hearing about my voice. So let's talk about Monday a little bit. Well, I have to say Monday really did feel like a repeat of Sunday. It was, again, a lot of those very closed uh, sessions. But what was great about it was more faces were showing up. So you'd walk down the halls and it'd be like, hi, hi. Oh, so good to see you. So a lot of familiar faces were starting to uh, fly in and show up. So there were a few sessions that were open to the public, um, but none that were as uh, relatable to what I was doing at the time. Cool. So, um, yeah, that's cool. And I'd love to hear more about the specific things that you went to. Uh, Zoe and I were also here by then. Uh, Zoe, what did you go to? Um, I went to the animal health committee meeting, which is just a general meeting that was open to the public. So I just went kind of as a spectator. Um, but it was just a discussion of some topics in zoo medicine, uh, that were relevant for the veterinarians at this meeting, as well as the animal uh, care staff and some CEOs of zoos and things were at that meeting as well. Um, we talked a little bit about a couple of different areas that are kind of up and coming in the um, zoo medicine world. So we talked a little bit about elephant populations and concerns for them. We talked a little bit about um, SSP programs and um, specific areas, uh, the list for the veterinary advisors for those programs and that kind of thing. Um, and then just a couple of people talked about some programs that they were looking for help with. So um, a animal transport course and that kind of thing. And it was just nice to see um, those veterinarians talk talking about topics that are relevant for them and getting to see behind the scenes a little bit of how that communication works. Yeah. And uh, during that time period, uh, I 
sat and did homework for grad school because <laughs> I need to do things like that at the conference because it is all day, every day, y'all. So uh, yeah, Katie, what did you go to during the, that time? Uh, the most interesting session that I attended was the Wildlife Conservation Committee. So they did have uh, an opening for the general public. So I was considered general public. I am not on that board or anything like that. But it was really great because they talked about field conservation surveys. So just kind of collecting the data and what some of the results were from 2021, which was really interesting. And then also hearing about some of the annual reports that they're putting out in conservation science for safe programs. So they went through some of the safe program highlights. They did talk a lot about SSP and safe. Um, they are two things that are similar and different at the same time. <laughs> There's a lot of change happening, which is really exciting. But yes, they were talking about that as well as some of the accreditation standards that are going on right now too. So really fun. A lot of familiar faces in that audience. Uh, so related to what Katie just said, one of the meetings I actually went to today was um, the, what was it called? Hold please. And this is where John cut, 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 cuts it out. Uh, one of the... Pro one of the talks that I went to today was the reimagining of AZA's animal programs, which was a um, little discussion with some of the um, chiefs of the TAG um, programs, which are the taxonomic advisory groups, um, talking about the new standards for SSPs and how that's going to be organized going forward. So over the last several years, um, the Animal Programs Committee has been working on new standards for SSPs and how those are going to be organized and um, what the standards are for being an SSP program. So there's new requirements now where the animals, the species needs to be housed in at least 15 different AZA institutions. There has to be a certain minimum number of individuals within that species, and there need to be specific plans in place for their um, reproduction and, and the movement of those animals going forward. So a lot of species that have previously had SSP programs are no longer going to qualify as official SSPs. They're going to need to have kind of different sorts of plans going forward. And the goal of that is that um, the AZA felt that we were just spreading ourselves too thin and the not not all of the SSPs were viable populations. So they want to focus on the populations that are viable and make sure that we're keeping those animals around in captivity for the future. There was also a lot of emphasis on the fact that they're trying to separate out the SAFE programs from the SSP programs. So the SSP goals are to keep captive populations that are viable for the future of those captive populations. The SAFE programs are, the goal is to prevent those those animals from going extinct. Um, so keeping captive populations viable, but also relating to conservation in the wild and making sure that we have um, either populations in the wild that are protected or potentially um, captive breeding and release programs for certain species. Interesting. And in very interesting, actually. I, I I worry about some species that I love not having official SSPs anymore. Yep. Cough, cough, tree kangaroos, cough, cough. Yep, yep. Yeah, I don't think – and they did just come out with a safe program though for Matchy's tree kangaroos. So I think maybe they're transitioning from an SSP to a safe. So, But yeah, that's really interesting. And that's just the kind of stuff that you can just 
learn here while connecting with awesome people. And it's, it's all very cool. Um, and then at three o'clock, all three of us attended the first time attendee meeting. And if there's one thing I will say that I have found wonderful, actually, there are many things that are wonderful about the conference. But one thing that has stood out to me is the fact that, um, as a first time member here, and also as a person who, you know, I don't, I don't work at a zoo. Um, I didn't know what the welcome would be like. And I, 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 they have done a lot to make us officially feel very welcome. Um, you get first time attendee badges on your name, uh, tag thing that, um, encourage people to come up and kind of introduce themselves and say hi and, and welcome you to the team, so to speak. And they had an entire meeting teaching you how to do this. They encourage you to make sure that you don't stay up late doing things like drinking or recording podcasts. Um, and we're doing both. No, I'm kidding. But, um, and you know, just different, different things like that to make you feel comfortable, uh, it's your first time here. And I thought that was, was very cool. But then the highlight of the evening came after that when we all walked to the National Aquarium in Inner Harbor in Baltimore and got to spend the evening just the AZA people at the aquarium, hanging out, socializing, and seeing the aquarium. They had full staff on. They had interpreters. They had all kinds of cool stuff going on. I cannot speak highly enough about how incredible that experience was. And also, it was catered. There was amazing food. There was incredible ice cream. We may have gone back for seconds. Thank you, Uh, SSA. Yay! Yeah, SSA did an amazing, amazing job with all of this. And all zero waste. All zero waste. I was just going to say that. Yes, it's so flipping cool. Um, And the the food was incredible. There there were dolphins and ice cream. I mean, what more do you want in the world? (laughs) And, you know, a a point that I want to make is that everyone's available to everyone. It's all seen like we're all part of a team. I went and talked to Dan Ash, the president of the AZA. We had a great little conversation. Um, It was very cool. You know, everyone from Dan on down is available to talk and chat. And, and it's, it's just a really beautiful scene. Uh, Yeah. And so that was, did anyone else want to say anything else about the National Aquarium being incredible? I just want to say, when you think of the heart of the ocean, it is the National Aquarium. It is fabulous. The most exciting part of it for me was the shark exhibit. I don't know about you both, but it was a three-story shark experience where you just keep going down this like winding pathway down several floors, and each floor has different sharks on it. And as a shark lover myself, I just... It was like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then dessert. It was like, how are there more sharks? There's more and more and more through every level, and I loved every bit of it. And the dessert is definitely the best part because they have sawfish, which is flipping unbelievable to see. They're just so cool. My favorite part of the National Aquarium, well, I have two favorite parts of the National Aquarium. One is the black-tipped reef shark exhibit because I really love those sharks. They're really cute, and they have little black bits on their fins. And I also really love the puffins. And one of the puffins was being really adorable and swimming around when we were there. And so I really like that. And Katie Prop, as a uh, professional penguiner, are you okay with puffins or are they like battling it out? I love puffins because puffins are the answer to every time there is a penguin with a polar bear. I just say, swap it for a puffin. That makes a lot of sense to me. I really like it. And I also like that you cannot ever be anywhere in public without just pointing out that penguins and polar bears 
not in the same area, not friends. They're they're not in the same area. The polar bears in the Arctic and penguins are in Antarctica. <laughs> Thank you for my TED talk. <laughs> Amazing. All right, so let's talk about today. Now we all went to some different sessions. So, um, but we were all seated together as seat chums at <laughs> um, at the opening general session, and um, I, I thought it was really cool. One thing really stood out to me in the general session. It was an hour and a half long, and we did not really talk about zoos or aquariums. I mean, that was like the background, but it was a split between talking in depth about conservation, right? We always talk about how zoos and aquariums are conservation organizations, and there's you know a lot of argument. A lot of the anti-captivity crowd loves to say that it's not about conservation. It's about whatever, you know, making money or whatever because we all know zookeepers are super rich. But um, the, the entire focus, even inside baseball here with just our group, started off being about conservation. And then it switched to become about diversity in the industry, which has been a huge problem for a long time that is now being addressed very uh, effectively, but, you know, still has a long way to go, always. And um, those were the two topics that we really hit on in the the general meeting, which I thought was incredible. It, 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 it wasn't that zooey at all. It was all conservation and diversity, and I loved that. Um, did you guys have any additional thoughts about the uh, – the opening meeting. Mame was an incredible presenter and speaker, just very bubbly and fun. And, uh, she, she is the former head of fisheries from the U S fish and wildlife service and is just an incredible person to kind of light some fire under our butts. I think just really getting the audience engaged in her conversation and, getting people excited about what the future could look like. And I think after getting a lot of decision fatigue in this industry um, and just fatigue in general from compassion fatigue and all sorts of things, I think her message hit home with a lot of people. And uh, some of those folks I spoke with this evening said, you know, her speech made them tear up or uh, feel like they need to take some more action. So she was one presenter out of the, out of the group that I, I personally resonated with and thought she was fabulous. She was an amazing speaker. She was all fire and um, quoting Biggie and Tupac and um, living her best life up there. And uh, also ended by having 2,200 or so zoo professionals sing Row, Row, Row Your Boat. And uh, I got to tell you, there aren't a whole lot of people that could have gotten a room that size singing that loudly, but oh boy, did she. Uh, I also really like that they included the mayor of Baltimore in the opening, you know, proceedings today. Um, I thought it was a really cool way to kind of bring in the local community and bring in what the zoo and the aquarium here mean to the community, as well as emphasizing some of the conservation success stories of um, com the partnership between the zoo and the aquarium and the city itself. Yes. And he was also an incredible yeah. speaker and super inspiring. Yeah, it was a really inspirational morning. And then we all split up and went and did things. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about what some of these sessions are like. We already have a little bit, but one of the cool things is that for these couple of days, there are a ton of options at every given time. And so for the, uh, 1030 session, 
I went to The Rise of Social Media Influencers, which uh, featured, uh, amongst other people, our good friend of the podcast and former guest, Jungle Jordan. And um, it was just really cool to get that perspective from the PR people. Um, uh, you know, there were there were multiple speakers and also the senior vice president of communications and strategy for the AZA. And uh, it was really cool to hear kind of from their side uh, what it's like and what it's like for them to interact with people through social media or, you know, things like podcasts, um, who aren't part of their team and the benefits and also maybe some of the fears and some of the concerns they have and such. So it, it gave me a lot of very, very cool perspective. And, um, I, I got to make some really cool connections. And, um, also I was hanging out with Elena Bell from the Akron Zoo who sets up all of those interviews for me. And it was just, it was very much, you know, a bit of a homecoming and a bit of like meeting new people all at once. It was, it was very exciting. Uh, what did you go to Katie? One of the panels I really enjoyed today was a panel actually on leadership. And what I loved about it was it focused on several CEOs and their experiences. And it very much was like a coffee discussion where they were asking each other questions. They definitely had a moderator and all of the audience members were able to text in anonymous questions. Oh, wow. So they were able to answer some of our questions as well for everybody, which was great instead of just a cliche Q and A at the end. So some of the panelists that they had uh, that I just absolutely thought were fantastic presenters. Dr. Brian Davis, who is the president and CEO at the Georgia Aquarium. There was Roger German, and he was the president and CEO of the Florida Aquarium. And Dr. Haley Murphy, the executive director and CEO at the Detroit Zoological Society. And they all just were so genuine. Every single thing they said about their journey to becoming a CEO resonated with me. And I think so often we see executive leadership teams as being kind of like a separate entity sometimes where it's like, oh, you know, they're up there doing, you know, the big decision making while the rest of us are doing other things. And hearing from these three and how different their experiences are, but how similar at the same time, it really helped all of us to get a better picture of what their experience is. Uh, one of the stories they were all sharing that was kind of similar was how isolating it actually feels to be a CEO because you are now getting a bird's eye view, a full picture. Whereas when you're working your way to the top, you very much are connected with so, so many people. They talked a lot about taking time for yourself and mental health, um, which of course is a, a big topic in the zoological community right now. Um, one of the things they said that I thought was poignant was the cost of your new life is your old one. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to say, because you're right. When we get a new opportunity, when we have a new thing that we're venturing into, it is going to change our entire perspective. And as we move up, there are higher stresses, right, that you have to take on as a CEO. You're suddenly worrying about not only your own personal finances and life and things like that, but the entire company and all of those people that rely on you for their daily existence. And they were very humble about that. Um, the other thing that I thought was really interesting, and this was something that Dr. Brian said from Georgia Aquarium, he said that um, when when asked about who he would want to take his position someday. 
he said he wants someone that would move into the position to be a change agent, to focus on the work instead of constantly rebuilding the culture. And as someone that has worked at several zoos and aquariums and museums and nonprofits, I feel like a lot of times when leadership changes, it's like, well, now we need to change everything. We need to change the culture. We need to change. And it's like, I like and appreciated that he said, you know what? Like sometimes it's just the work that needs to be done and the culture is fine. And I think that's so true. There's some places I've worked where the culture has been great and the leaders come in and if they just do the work, we can get it done. And I was very inspired. We can all actually save animals. That's what I walked away with. That's awesome. And I also love that uh, you remembered that quote. So, th- oh, never mind. You took notes. You have a notebook. Hey, Zoe also has a notebook. I'm the only <laughs> one who wasn't such a nerd that I didn't sit there taking notes the oh, entire time, notes. which is why I'm like, hey, guys, we talked about social media stuff. And they're giving you quotes and names and <laughs> stuff. So actually, that was pretty smart of y'all. Zoe, what was your panel at that time? Um, I went to the panel on elephants. Um, so... It was kind of a combination of little talks by a bunch of different people who are involved in the elephant AZA world. Uh, So we started out hearing from Dr. Jamie Landolfi, um, who is a pathologist at the University of Illinois, and did a little overview of um, morbidity and mortality in African elephants in the captive population between 2000 and now, 2021. Um, and it was really interesting to see um, the most common things that elephants have died from over the last, um, you know, 20 years or so um, and how that's related to how we're keeping elephants now and what we can do to improve their uh, lives in captivity now. And then we had um, Dr. Tanya Kerr, uh, who is a researcher um, who talked about elephants in the wild and elephant endotheliotropic herpes virus, as well as tuberculosis in wild populations of African elephants, specifically in Kruger National Park. So it was cool to see that talk right after the talk about captive elephants and kind of compare and contrast. It's very similar disease processes that they're seeing in the wild and in captivity, but the way that we see them is different because we're only seeing um, the wild animals after the fact, whereas we see the captive animals kind of as they're going through it. So that was interesting. And then we heard from Dr. Lauren Howard, who is awesome. Um, She's the director of veterinary services at the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. And she gave a little talk about moving elephants and how complicated that is and all the different things that go into it. And I really love that talk because there was a little focus in the middle about training elephants for movement um, and training them for, you know, voluntarily entering into the crate and voluntarily having tethers placed on their legs for their own safety during the move. Um, So I thought that was really cool. And she also talked a little bit about um, just the complications of having a very social animal and how moving them, you have to take into account the social dynamics of the herd they're coming from and the herd they're going to and how that's going to impact the whole thing. So I thought that was really interesting. And then we heard a little bit about elephant reproduction from Jill Sampson, who is the curator of elephants at the Pittsburgh Zoo, talked a lot about artificial insemination in elephants, which I actually have 
have been able to see a little bit of the training for at the Columbus Zoo when I was an intern there. Um, so it was cool to see a summary of that and how it's done at the Pittsburgh Zoo. Um, so both sides of it, they talked about, um, you know, doing the actual artificial insemination with the female elephants as well as the semen collection for the male elephants. It's really interesting to see how semen collection for the male elephants is basically exactly the same as for horses, the way that they collect the samples, the way that they store the samples, the way that they ship them. They use equitainers, which is the same thing as for horses. So that was cool. Just a little flashback from vet school. Um, and then last we heard from Lisa Peterson, who's the executive director at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park and also involved in the elephant um, planning for the future with their SSP. Um, so heard a little overview of the plans for the elephant population moving forward. The elephant population in captivity in North America is very old, and we are not producing enough baby elephants right now to replace that population as it's aging out. So there was a lot of talk, both at this talk and also at the Animal Health Committee talk that I went to um, about how we're going to deal with that and how we can have a sustainable elephant population in captivity going forward. So that was cool and interesting and yay. Yay, indeed. Very cool. And then after that was my favorite session, lunch. Um, and yeah, guys, they feed us at these things. There were sandwiches and cookies. You had to walk all the way to the opposite end of the exhibit hall to get the cookie. But I did, and I went and got us cookies, and they were good cookies. Um, but And that also gave us a time to hang out in the exhibit hall. And I mentioned this a little bit before, but you've got to picture this. It's It's – Four very deep rows, and then a fifth shallower row, 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 sh- and then a fifth row, row, row your boat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Now I have to leave that in, and then a fifth shallower row. Nope, so can't say it anyway. Um, because of of just vendors that are all zoo related. So we are talking about brands that make like carnivore diets. And we are talking about the companies that make the software that zoos use to not only track their animal health, but to communicate between the, um, the, uh, different facilities and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, we're talking about the dinosaurs that are there for the, uh, the, and they actually have one of the dinosaurs and it's like, only scarier and deeper because it's a dinosaur with feathers. It has feathers. It does have feathers. It's awesome. And they have the Asian lanterns and that you'll see at a lot of zoos and they have some of those up. Like it's ridiculous. And guys, they have so much swag. I think we got like 20 pens today and so many bags and um, a, a plush cheetah with a hoodie that I'm going to steal and give to Red. And yeah, no, it's just been absolutely ridiculous. It's so cool to see. It's all just our people and it's amazing and they all want to talk and they're all interested in everything and it's it's stunning. I love wandering that exhibit hall. And at lunch, I was also able to spend more time at the silent auction where I found out that I still am the top bidder on the red panda package of things that I mostly have and I'm spending way too much money on. So hopefully that will continue through the day tomorrow. Right, Zoe? We want to win that thing. She said no. Okay. So then this is getting a little long, so I want, but I really want to share just really quickly what these other sessions were like. So we're going to do this a little bit quicker now, but I am curious to hear about the, the other sessions that we all went to. So Zoe and I went to the evolution of ambassador animal programs, which was really cool and had a bunch of people, including our friend and recent guest, Nikki Boyd from the San Diego Zoo, um, just talking about 
exactly what I said, the evolution of ambassador animal programs. And it's really cool to see the different things that are happening and the strategies and studies that are being done. Um, you know, zoos really care about animal welfare. And there was a study that was done and is continuing to be done uh, at Zoo Atlanta that was um, about uh, if animals are actually okay being touched or if it stresses them out or not, the, the, you know, the ambassador animals that get touched by humans. And, um, you know, San Diego presented how they have tried to move their ambassador animals out of the hands of people and into more natural areas where they can still be seen and seen up close. Um, and we talked about the difference uh, between choice and the other word. Control, choice and control. A lot of people use that phrase in this industry as one thing, saying animals have choice and control. But there is a difference between the two words. And we talked about all of that. And um, it was really cool. Zoe, did you have anything else you wanted to say about that? Are you going to explain the difference between choice and control? No, I'm going to let you do that. Throw that out there. I'm going to let you do that. Okay. So we talked about the difference between choice and control. So choice for ambassador animals, we're talking about giving them the opportunity to choose. Um, That can be choosing um, whether to go into an exhibit or not, or choosing between two different enrichment items or multiple different enrichment items, choosing different foods, that kind of thing. Um, Whereas control is actually having control over your environment. So I think one of the speakers, I don't remember which one it was, gave the analogy of, or I guess example of um, having an animal have the choice between being in a room that's hot or a room that's cold versus having the ability to actually adjust the thermostat. Um, So, you know, changing the actual environment that they're in. So the easiest example that we often see with ambassador animals is having the ability to control how their handlers are interacting with them or how their handlers are kind of managing their environment. So having people move farther away or closer up, that kind of thing. So um, it was interesting to see the very first speaker in that talk was talking about the difference between choice and control. And then the other speakers kind of um, tended to use those words interchangeably. Um, So I think that's going to be something that we see more of and more being focused on going forward with ambassador animals in the future. Absolutely. And then Prop, give me a quick breakdown of what you went to. I went to a session called Tech Notes because guess what? I'm a nerd and uh, no surprises there. But it was basically a pilot session put on by the Research and Technology Committee from the AZA. And of course, um, the moderator was Dr. Jason Waters from the San Francisco Zoological Society, whom I know from my Brookfield Zoo days. So really great to see him. But there were several back-to-back guest speakers talking about how technology is being used in zoos and aquariums in both conservation aspects, but also looking at data from guests and uh, what we can do with that. Pretty amazing stuff. That's really cool. Yeah, I am I am all about that. And then we had a snack break, and then uh, we, we went off to our, our last sessions for the day. Um, and so I went to Building a Community Through Social Media, Staff Guidelines, Community Partners, and Content Strategy. And again, this was just more of a, a look at social media and things that I, I was hoping would affect me and Rossafari and all those things. Um, and again, I, I heard from some really cool people and, and learned some really cool stuff. But um, yeah, that one was was more just kind of behind the scenes stuff for me than uh, – then something that's maybe worth sharing on here, but it was very cool and quite the experience. Uh, where did you go, Zoe? 
I already talked about it. It was the it was the Animal Programs Committee one. Um, so we were talking about SSPs and safe programs and stuff. But you got to see a video of puppies visiting the Georgia Aquarium in that talk. So I feel like you should talk about that. There were puppies that visited the Georgia Aquarium during uh, the COVID shutdown. And the video went viral. Um, you've probably seen it if you're listening to this. We all have. But it was cool to see it again. Um, and yeah, it's really funny. It is funny hearing them talk about just like, you know, they'll have a video that they will think is okay. And then it just shoots off into the stratosphere and then they'll like come up with some really cool strategy and it just, you know, dies on the vine. But, uh, that's how social media works. We all know it. So yeah, that, but it was cool because there were puppies and they visited the Georgia aquarium. But the best part is that not only did that get over a billion individual views through various social media things, but every single puppy in the video got adopted. Yay! And that's what they were the proudest of, which I thought was adorable. Yay! And again, brings it back to like, we're all here for animal welfare, even the puppies. It was very cool. Um, and then Katie, what did you go to? I was in the social media meeting with you about three rows up. Yeah, I know. I saw you leave, but I forgot. So I'll cut <laughs> that question. Oh, well. Anyway, yeah, I was hanging out with Elena again. <laughs> did you leave during it or after? It was at During. the Q&A. No. No, no. Let's just say it. you left before the Q&A was over. No, the and there Q&A. were tears. There were tears <laughs> from there people were, up front. There no, were not there tears. Weren't. No, there were not. There were not. And I was leaving because the guy next to me had to get up to leave. And I was like, you know what? I'll also leave because, yeah. Wow. You got peer pressured into leaving, <laughs> causing the entire panel to cry. So the guy sad. next to me I knew, and he wanted to talk to me. So it also was a double that's fair. But, and that brings up another really important point. We've touched on this a little bit, but throughout all of this stuff, there's also just a ton of socialization. I mentioned this on Instagram, but I have had multiple fans of the podcast come up to me and just be like, oh my God, I love your podcast, which is so gratifying. Thank Someone you so just much. yelled Rossafari at me today, and I have no idea who they were, and I still don't know who they are, and I don't know why they knew that it was me. That's hilarious. But they probably know your theme song. Um <laughs> Because you have one of those now. Um, But yeah, so like it's just been a cool experience with that. But also connecting with so many people. If I start naming names, I'm going to forget somebody. But I mean, you know, doing a podcast in a community that you're getting into but not initially a part of. Um, you make these connections one at a time and you you hope they're cool and you hope they're real and you hope they're important, you know, or whatever. But then coming to a place like this and seeing just so many of those people from all across the country who light up when they see you, who share updates with you, uh, who have become friends, who have become colleagues, who have become important people and respect what you're doing is just incredible. I have never been more on fire for this, this podcast than I am after all of this. And, uh, yeah, so I know then after this, like, this is just how this works. So I was going to meet up with Zoe again and I ran into Jordan, Jungle Jordan. And we started talking and he's like, man, this is fun. Let's go get dinner. And so we grabbed Zoe and we went and got dinner and Katie was off having dinner with a friend as well. And then we're like, Hey, let's get together and record. And like, it's just social. It's just fun. It's just people who love each other being together. And it's making me very happy is I guess my point. So that is where we're at right now. And I'm not going to do like another episode of this. I wanted to go in deep on what we've done so far. Tomorrow is going to be the same day as today. Basically, there are different sessions, but there are going to be another full day of sessions and me guarding my red panda stuff and probably bidding even more if somebody outbids me and getting yelled at by Zoe. Nope. nope, Yep. It's going to happen. Yep. Nope. Yep. So that's anything. Anyway, that's what's going to happen. And, um, 
And then who needs money? We need more stuffed red pandas. But um, anyway, and then, uh, yeah, and then Thursday is called Zoo Day. And we're going to the Maryland Zoo, which is in Baltimore and is uh, – the co-host of the conference with the National Aquarium. And uh, it's going to be a full day of wandering the zoo and doing zoo things. And they have all kinds of cool ambassador stuff set up. And um, I have heard that conference zoo days are like the best zoo days that you can have. So I'm really looking forward to it, even though it's going to be like 90 some degrees and sweaty and gross. But, you know, that's okay because we're going to be sweaty and gross at the zoo. Katie, you looked like you had something you wanted to say. I was just going to be like, zoo day, zoo day, zoo day, woohoo! That, that, yep. that, that tracks. Okay, and so with that, I'm going to leave y'all. I hope this gave you a really good in-depth look at uh, what the, um, the AZA conference is like and how much we're all loving it. Uh, Katie, where can people find you on socials and plug your you know important work with Penguins International? We are found on all social media platforms. You can simply search Penguins International, but on social media, on uh, all those platforms, it's usually at Penguins, I-N-T-L. That's our Facebook and our Twitter. And then for Instagram, we are at Penguins underscore International. And then I do have a personal page as well. It's at Wildlife Katie if you feel like seeing my own pictures of animals. She has a wildlife friends and you can follow along. She has a really adorable dog. I'm, I'm just saying she has a really, yeah, his dog. name's Carson. He's a chocolate lab. Yeah. Yeah. Katie got Carson right around when we got paradiddle. So we have been long distance puppy pen pal friends that fell apart. I love it when things fall apart. Puppy pen pal friends. We've been puppy pen pal friends. I like it. And Zoe, I assume that you don't want to give anything for people to follow you because nope, you don't, don't like people. Yep. Don't follow me. Okay. I don't want you. <laughs> she she did not go to any of my uh, social media influencer classes today all right so uh yeah thanks for being here y'all and uh we'll catch up with you soon the rossafari podcast is produced hosted and engineered by john rossi editing and fact checking by john and dr zoe vesley gross our theme song is sevens by nathan burke performed by nathan and john interrupting john theme and additional voices by taylor isaac gray you can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.